This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Hey there! I wanted to catch you at the top of the episode to let you know that my Patreon page is changing its name and URL. Rather than the page saying Stephen Trigar and the URL ending with Stephen J. Trigar, the page is fully transitioning over to The Composer Chronicles. All members of the Patreon page will continue to enjoy all the same benefits as before, including early access to ad-free versions of every episode, access to the Patreon podcast unscripted, and all other benefits one can find at higher levels. So, if you are listening to this episode and you hear me reference patreon.com slash Trigar, that is no longer a valid URL, as I have changed it over to patreon.com slash thecomposerchronicles. I hope you enjoy, and I hope to see you on my Patreon page. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Composers of Our Modern World on The Composer Chronicles. Today's guest is Daryl Banner. I'll let him introduce himself in just a moment, and I am so excited to share our conversation. If this episode is the first episode of the show that you're listening to, you may not know that Daryl is the composer of The Composer Chronicles' theme music. This music was introduced in episode number 14 and it will continue to be used as the theme music in all future episodes. I can never thank him enough for writing this piece specifically for the show. It is an absolute honor to get to work with him, and I know that you'll love the music just as much as I do. In today's episode with Daryl, he will be sharing his incredible journey to becoming the composer that he is today. Daryl is also an acclaimed author of romance, fantasy, and dystopian novels, so you will get to hear how he blends both sides of his career together. Stick around until the end of the episode to hear a selection of pieces composed by Daryl, namely two versions of the main theme from the audio drama Giannis Descending, the main theme to the soundtrack for his book series The Beautiful Dead, the main theme to the soundtrack for his book series Outlier, and finally, the first track to his recently released album Rainfall. From Alexandrian Media, this is The Composer Chronicles, a podcast that delves into the stories of the world's greatest composers and their works. I'm Stephen Trivar, and this is episode number 19, Daryl Banner. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How you doing? I'm great. (laughs) So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started your journey as a composer? 
Well, I started off, I think my love for music came from video games ever since I was a kid. Um, that was the center of my life was uh, video games and more specifically games that told stories. Um, RPGs, like uh, my first big love was Final Fantasy as a child. And literally from the age of like five, six, I was on the piano trying to play songs that I was hearing from the games and um badly of course but (laughs) uh but my my i think my natural ear kind of kicked in um early on because i was starting to really kind of recompose the songs that i was hearing in games um i was also super nerdy when i was a kid i loved computer games um like right off like four color computer games back on the really 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 old school computers and I um I would um and I, I I got my hands on some music composing software that was super old school. It was this uh it was a a software for making mods, which back then were module files, not like a mod to a game. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they were little four track uh um, things, and I started using them and just playing around with music and. Long story short, kind of from there, it built into me composing my own work. And um, then uh, through my teen years, I started remixing work. And I actually kind of got a what you might call like a following pre-social media, um, which was really fun. My name back then was Amstro City. Um, I pronounced it Amstrosity because I liked Monstrosity because I just thought it was a funny weird i have no idea where the amstro part came from um i mean you're you're a teen and you just you know a young teen at that and you just kind of make up words so um but everyone thought i was from some place called amstro city anyway um so i started remaking remixing music alongside that um and so fast forward basically through high school i started making music more seriously with just myself um writing songs and i uh, my my career as a writer actually began around this point too because my senior year i got a really cool opportunity to um be the first person i was a theater guy so being the first person in my theater in my theater department to write and direct my own play that i wrote oh wow and yeah, because the seniors um, usually got an opportunity to do a senior directed play. And I was one of the seniors that year. There were two of us and we both got to senior directed play. She did Steel Magnolias and I did, um, which the stage version is really cool. It's all it's a whole fem- it's all, all female cast. Um, but anyway, I got to do my own play. And in my play, I got to compose music for the background of it, which was kind of cool. Wow. Um, yeah, and that same year, actually, or maybe it was the year before, I don't remember, um, we did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I composed kind of a, a soundtrack for that, too. So I got to kind of stretch my my music skills back then, which is really cool. And then move on to college. Um, my writing was, was really, my writing and my acting was really more um, my, has always been kind of my trajectory. That's what I went to school for. It's what I did all through high school. And then um, I, so music was always just something with me. I never really um, pursued it 
until my very last year of college, I, I got into uh, a Stuart Ostro's musical collaboration. Stuart Ostro is a, is a Tony award winning um, Broadway musical producing guy. <laughs> and, <Wow. laughs> and yeah, it was, it was quite an honor to get into his class in the first place. And I, I got brought in as a lyricist and a story writer. And we, each of us lyricists and story writers were paired with a composer and a director. Um, and our director didn't show up on the first day. And then it turned out that he completely dropped out of the program. He couldn't, he couldn't do it like he wanted to. And a loud mouth friend of mine was basically like, Hey, this dude composes. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Cause I never took myself seriously. I was like, no, 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 no. And <laughs> I like, don't even. And then Stuart Ostro, I just will never forget. He gives me this kind of look and he's like, all right, I got to go to the bathroom, sit at this piano. Here's some lyrics, compose a song for me. I'll be back in five. And I was like, wow. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, writing on the cuff is kind of my uh, my forte. I'm I'm good at just improvising. I usually I just sit down at the piano and just music comes out, um, which I'm sure a lot of composers can relate to, especially those who kind of write off the cuff, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So so I uh, I just sat down and I just kind of wrote a love song. It's kind of a, a romantic ballad thing. Um, and then he came back and I kind of played it for him. I didn't expect to sing it too, but I had to also sing it. So I kind of played it and sort of sang the lyrics along with it. And then he was like, all right, you're your own composer too now. And I was like, cool. Okay. So I spent that semester writing and composing my own, uh, uh, 30 minute musical. Wow. Yeah. We, we based it off of public domain work. So mine was, uh, it was all this French story, the walker through walls. That's the rough French translation. Um, but yeah, it was really whimsical and fun. And it was totally not only a gratifying experience, but something validating that made me think, geez, I should take myself seriously. And maybe I should have taken myself seriously earlier than this. Yeah, absolutely. So. And since you mentioned the start of kind of your process with sitting down at the piano, what typically does your compositional process look like? Um, You know, my, my process tends to okay it's usually twofold or it's two different directions it really just depends on, on i actually take my writing this way too because i'm uh i'm an author as well so i usually take writing books the same way i either just have a concept or an idea i sit down and i just go with it just whatever happens and i i compose 90 percent of my music i would say on the computer with virtual instruments and digital instruments and and whatnot um so a lot of times I'll just sit down at the at the with my software and I will just compose on the computer directly. And because it's a slow process, and remember how I mentioned I was a nerd growing up, um, <laughs> proudly. I uh, <laughs> one of my other loves was programming, and I loved making games. I loved code, um, and I guess this comes from my video game love, but composing on the computer is almost like programming to me and there's something very i'm very control freak about a lot of things so creatively so there's a lot of control that you get with with what's on the computer and so um a lot of times i'll just kind of kind of compose from there just kind of compose on the computer but sometimes i need i don't have that that instance ah, i've got a direction to go so i'll sometimes this is my other method i'll sit down at the piano and improvise, experiment, 
kind of play around with like what usually have like a home chord or a home set of chords that I want the whole song to kind of be tethered to. So I, uh, I'll sit down at the piano and I'll kind of figure it out. And then once I've got like that thing, that's almost playing back in my head more than the thing, then I move to the computer and I start composing, um, with more of a plan, but, but generally the process is pretty much, um, pretty much just, I hear it in my head and I put it out. Do you have a thing that typically inspires you to get started writing? Um, I guess it depends on the project, uh, whether, whether there's a feeling or, or something or, um, uh, I don't know. The thing is whenever I compose, like, okay, if I'm composing for someone, like I have a purpose, like there's, there's an actual project or something that I'm working on, um, with someone, then of course there's kind of more of like a, uh, um, a restriction of, I mean, it's such a negative word, but like, but there's kind of a, I would say, I'll say a guidance. There's, there's a guidance toward what is wanted as opposed to if I'm composing something completely on my own for myself. Um, like when I want to just write an original, uh, album or just a music or something, um, I kind of run toward just letting the moment feel me. And sometimes when I start writing something, I realize, oh, okay, something else is coming out. Actually, I like this. Let's just go there. So <laughs> I'm kind of unguided. I'm sort of a free, free spirit whenever <laughs> I compose for my own music, more or less. No, it, it's such a hard question to, for it is. composers <laughs> to answer. Yeah. Only, only because so many composers now don't write for the sake of writing and then sending it out to have somebody try and accept it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. now more so nowadays it's the people are coming to the composer saying, Hey, I want you to write something yeah. rather than the composer just sitting down and saying, I'm going to write a ballet today and somebody's going to pick it up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I guess some of I, that's kind of, I guess the difference between when I'm writing a soundtrack for someone, like I have an actual pro project or something that I'm working on as opposed to um, my latest release rainfall um which i just kind of write music that i just i just had an idea i have no idea if this isn't for anyone specifically i'm just i have a creative idea i'm just gonna write it mm -hmm. you know i think with it's kind of i kind of compare it to my um my work as an author where you know i write uh some books that are <laughs> more or less just like i have no idea if no, anyone's gonna read this it's just <laughs> it's a fun idea i had I'm, I'm gonna write it and then i have some uh books that i'm writing that I know my readers want. So I'm, so it's also, it's kind of half and half. Like I'm writing it cause I want to, but also my readers want it. So it's guided. Um, I imagine composing is like that too. So <laughs> right. yeah. like I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept, I think I wouldn't do a project if I'm like, that is so far from my comfort zone as far as what I usually compose. Mm -hmm. um, which I think having a, a love for video game music kind of gives me an advantage because Video game music is so diverse. It's like yeah. every genre. So, so uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And you typically write soundtracks to all your books. How did that start? So I, uh, um, I've been writing books uh, since 2010 publishing. I, I mean, my first book was published 2010, but I've been writing stories uh, my whole life, really. I mean, like, like we've been talking about, I, I wrote plays all through high school and such. Um, and so my very first music 
related thing to my books that I remember. Hopefully I'm not uh, screwing this up. My first, my first music was to my second novel, which is a time travel thriller. Um, And it was kind of more of just, what was funny was that I was stuck in the book because I, at that time I had a full-time job at a movie theater, um, which is hilarious because it's about a movie theater manager uh, traveling to time. And (laughs) gosh, (laughs) let's stray really far from the path here. Um, So he, uh, so basically I'm, I was composing music um, to kind of get myself free because I felt stuck in my own life. And I was like, you know, and it was hard to write because I had like no time. I was working all the time. And I'm one of these people who, you know, when I have a job, I, I don't really slack. I, 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 I work so hard at my job that when I come home, I have nothing left and I'm just exhausted. Mm-hmm. And um, so the music of that really got me through writing the book because I started just writing pieces that I thought were very um kind of represented the experience of time traveling and whatnot. And so I, I wrote that music. And then after that, I had another book come out called The Beautiful Dead, which at first was just supposed to be a book all on its own. It's just going to be all by itself. And then suddenly it became a now it's a six book series. Um five of those books are written. The sixth and final one is coming. But I started writing the music for it. Um back when I wrote the first book and I think my, my, my point when I wrote the music was, um, you know, this would be a really great thing if I like have like a trailer or like a, like a, like a, a video to kind of represent the book and see if I can get more readers into it because fantasy is a little bit more difficult for me to sell than romance, which is what I usually write. And so I wrote this music and I kind of made like a video to it and I posted it on Facebook and a whole lot of people started reacting to it. And that was the first time that a lot of my readers realized that I'm also a composer. Um, and then my journeys started kind of lining up and going alongside each other. So I kept going and I've, I've written music to each of my beautiful dead books. And I also hopped over and I started writing a dystopian uh more adult dystopian book called outlier rebellion and that started my outlier series and they're a lot more serious and they're much longer they're huge books so very immersive lots of characters and so i kind of with that idea of being of having so many characters in the story i felt like each person has like a song so i started writing a theme for each character i had the themes kind of play with each other like two of the characters were in love so um the i had a song where like both of their themes were kind of layered on top of each other and they weirdly fit it was kind of i was like whoa this is really cool so again my nerdiness is coming out but <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's a lot is a, is a rush and so now i like the idea of um kind of telling my stories in two different ways and you know obviously more people read the books um than listen to my music but as far as the um the soundtracks go but i uh I just I like having multiple mediums to express these stories. I feel like they live they live beyond the page to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what kind of other projects do you compose for other than your own books? So, I I got involved. Um, see, music for me was always something personal that I just did on my own. I never did work for other people until around college. I started for free. 
um, I got, I found these, these, uh, student filmmaker websites and these student video game designer websites. And I started just, I saw that there were like forums of people just wanting music. And most people went to stock music, but stock music wasn't as big back then. This is back, um, the early thousands, um, like 2004 ish to 2007 ish. Um, and I, uh, stock music was around, but it wasn't as, on as quite as popular as it is now. And so I started jumping on there and being like, I'll compose for free, you know, cause I knew that I, I composed very fast. So I was like, you know, as soon as I got the idea and I kind of know exactly where I'm going, psh- I can, I can compose very fast. So I started writing music for free for a couple of years, actually. And, um, of the hundreds and hundreds of people that I composed for free for, um, one person contacted me aside from the free work that I did and was like, Hey, you know, I'm actually doing a video game with, with, I might, we're actually developing a video game with some of my friends. Do you want to come in as a composer? And I was like, yeah. So, so I jumped <laughs> in on that and it was my first paying gig back then and it was very fun and we ended up doing several different games different mobile games um for the phone and that kind of went into 2000 the the later 2000s and then i got the idea of putting my music on stock websites namely audio jungle which you're familiar with and i uh, while having my music on audio jungle first off it was my first experience of being able to just openly freely sell my music i was like this is really cool um but there was something slightly impersonal about it which i couldn't get used to because i I felt like it was weird to kind of compose things that anyone might use Mm -hmm. and i don't have a relationship with the people who are using my music until i had a seemingly random person contact me on audio jungle because of a lullaby music box song that i put on there it was just a lullaby and it was the as rockabye baby mm-hmm. and it was a music box playing it so it like had this kind of almost like you know sleepy baby feel to it and they were like you know we have this product that we want that we're going to make a website we need a theme song for it and we were wondering if you could do the rockabye baby really creepy like make mm-hmm. the music box go creepy, like it's about to break. Mm-hmm. And then, and I was kind of like, this is really interesting. I'm like, what is this product? And it was a line of baby vampire dolls. Um, and it's, they're called vamplets and you can actually look them up. They're called vamplets. And basically they're plush baby vampire dolls. And there's this whole world. There's this whole story behind them and everything. They've since expanded to like baby mummies and baby other things and, um, and baby skeletons and things. So, I I composed the Rockabye Baby creepy version and then they liked it so much that they were like, can you write us an actual theme song, like like an original piece? And I was like, sure. And very quickly, I just, I wrote something. It became the, the main theme to their website. And then it kind of, it, it snowballed after that with them specifically. I, I started running their Facebook page. I, um, I was brought in as kind of their main composer. I wrote a whole bunch of little pieces, some sound effects all kinds of things. So that was my first feeling as a composer of being like, you know, could I actually work as a composer? Could I actually, you know, do this? Um, and it was very, very exciting and very, very cool. And then fast forward to um, more recently, I was contacted by um, 
So my best friend who lives in New York City, he has a friend who um, her name's Jordan Cobb, and she does a lot of work with podcasts, um, but specifically uh, fiction podcasts, audio dramas. And so she um, she was looking for a composer, and, she, and because her composer kind of dropped out, he uh, I think he had other obligations or something. He wasn't able to to keep up with the, with the project. And she was like, Chris, that's my best friend, Chris, I need, I need a composer. And he was like, I got the guy. And because uh, Chris, now he and I, we went to school together, we went all through college and he, he is a, a director and a playwright up in New York and an actor and, and a producer. And so he produces a whole lot of different shows up there. And he's always asking me for my music to play as like house music, and sometimes even as like scene change music and, and, and songs that kind of, so it's, I'm, I, so I've been basically on New York city theater and off Broadway stages, by the way. Um, wow. <laughs> it was kind of like, <laughs> by the way. Um, and so he, because he was using a lot of my music, then he's like, Oh my God, you know, I have the perfect guy. So he connected me to her and, um, basically. I composed, um, so she, she wanted me for a project and I composed music, um, for her first project, which was Here Be Dragons, which is kind of an underwater adventure thing. And then that moved on to, uh, composing for, um, probably one of the most thrilling projects that I've ever, I've ever worked on before, which is, um, uh, project which I've ever worked on before, which is Giannis Descending. Um, she basically, I'm trying to think of how how it happened, but space, specifically, I mean, basically, she she brought me into the project, and um, because she liked my work so much on Here Be Dragons, she needed she had a new project. It was more of a space thing, and she brought me into Giannis Ascending and kind of wanted me to like find a, a main theme for it, which eventually turned into me writing the whole soundtrack, which is very exciting. Um, Giannis Descending in particular was very conceptual. Uh, Giannis Descending was actually a very thrilling project because the story behind it was extremely inspiring. Um, it's unique too. It's basically told from the, the viewpoint of two Xeno archeologists who are going to an alien planet to survey ruins there. And of course, what they find on the alien planet is that it's not as dead as they think it is. And mm. it turns into a nightmare that unravels through the course of the show. Um, it's 13 episodes. And what's really inspiring about how it's told is that the two Xeno archaeologists, one is Peter and one is Chell. Um, Chell is played by Jordan herself and uh, Peter. Uh, um, and basically they tell the stories in reverse chronological ways. Whereas basically Chell is telling the story from the beginning to the end. And Peter is telling the story from the tragic end to the beginning. Mm. So, and, and there are stories kind of cross right in the middle. So I was so fascinated by the idea of, you know, like the very beginning of this, of Giannis descending tells the beginning and the end. And then they crisscross and then you kind of get a twist ending and a twist beginning because there was something that's been going on that you didn't realize the whole time. So I wanted to play off of that musically. And I was like, okay, well, if Peter is kind of this tortured dark soul and Chell is this bright inspired science scientist, I was like, what if I do the same theme 
in major key and in minor key. And then Peter is kind of the minor key. So it's sort of darker and hers is the major. And then I was like, and also I'm really inspired by the fact that they crisscross. So they kind of go back. So they go backwards. Um, you know, Peter's story is being told backwards. And so I, so, so we, at first we were laughing about it when I first presented the idea. I was like, what if I also compose the theme backwards? So I have a forward version and a reverse version. So this creates four different themes. I have a reverse and a forward and major and a reverse and a forward and minor. And, um, and, the, and it worked basically. I, I, I was really shocked at how it kind of seamlessly translated backwards and forwards and it became a recurring theme. So it's kind of got that haunting feeling while you're, while you're enjoying the show of you're hearing the theme backwards and more sinister and forwards and kind of more of a hopeful feeling. And that hope and that dread are just constantly woven throughout the whole soundtrack. So it's very, very fun. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite projects that you've ever done. Thank it's you actually very the, much. It was actually the very first thing that I actually heard of yours. I don't know how I came across it. Actually, I think I was starting to read your books and then I just looked up on your website and I saw you composed as well. And so that was the very first thing oh, of wow. music. That... Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that, I mean, that project totally took me by surprise. I didn't realize she was going to be submitting it. I, mean, I should have thought that she would, but she submitted it to all of these awards things for podcasts and such. And I was not expecting that our, 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 project would win two award two audioverse awards for music wow. um specifically the main theme that i wrote so um i was in shock but you know, i'm sure <laughs> it, it feels weird to be like yeah my uh, award-winning soundtrack for Giannis descending just kind of feels weird i can't i can't wear those words yet so so i just <laughs> kind of you know um Giannis descending is just something i was very proud of it was it was a very and it was also creatively fulfilling i think it's I think all composers really look for those. Um, it's it's never just work, you know. You 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 want to fulfill your soul too. You want to you want to have mm -hmm. that feeling at the end of I've created something, you know, that that will go beyond just this project. You know, I want to be able to re-listen to it and experience it again. listening to this episode right now. Come in a little closer. Let me tell you a story. Back in the early days of the COVID-19 lockdown, I was truly struggling with my health and fitness. My gym was closed, and I didn't have any equipment at home to be able to do a proper workout. I was laying around my apartment, moving from my couch to my bed, and vice versa, reading a ton of books, eating unhealthy foods, and just living my couch potato life. I would occasionally get the nerve to go out on a walk in my neighborhood, but those were too few and far between. Then, something happened. It was like a switch flipped in my head, and I was sick of this life and I needed to do something about my health. That's when I found Roy Belzer Fitness, and then everything changed. 
every weekday I wake up with an email in my inbox containing a new workout video, and I can do that workout whenever my busy schedule allows. Better yet, in these videos, Roy does the workout with us. So his words of encouragement mean all the more to me, who is just sweating all over the place. But Roy Bowser Fitness isn't just a daily workout routine. It's a community, a shoulder to lean on, and a body-positive space where all are welcome and are free from judgment. Via a private Facebook community, every student gets to share their own journeys and encourage others to keep going. We all get to engage with each other every day, sharing sweaty selfies after workouts, nutrition tips and recipes, and posts that keep us accountable for one another. When you sign up for Roy's class, you not only get to join this incredible group of people to keep you accountable, you also get a free nutrition guide and the opportunity to win incredible prizes like free memberships and cash prizes. You can get back to your weight loss and fitness journeys right now when you sign up for Roy Belzer Fitness. Just go to RoyBelzerFitness.com slash sign up or click on the link in the show notes and use the code CRONPODCAST at checkout to get 10% off your first month of classes. Again, that's RoyBelzerFitness.com slash sign up and use the code CRONPODCAST at checkout for 10% off your first month. Join me and this wonderful community of like-minded individuals living healthier lifestyles in a body-positive space with Roy Belzer Fitness. Okay, okay, shh, 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 the episode's starting again. You're not a school-trained composer, correct? Correct. How do you feel that works for you? Um, I personally, I don't know. Um, I don't have, because my whole world is my books. Um, and before my books, it was all theater. I don't know personally too many composers who were classically trained I have encountered them in the theater world, like in musical theater. I encountered a lot of people who went to the music school and who, um, the music school at, at my university is why I call it the music school. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounded like I was the one music school in the entire world. No, yeah. um, <laughs> I, they went to music, the music school while I went to the theater school, um, at the University of Houston. And so I kind of got the sense of how classically trained composers were and i think actually constantly comparing myself to them and trying to see that was part of the thing that kept me back from ever pursuing it seriously because i knew that i had this weird ear where i could hear literally the hum of a machine and know what note it was or i could hear like the ding of a bell in a restaurant and i knew what note it was and yeah, it was weird. I could just, I just knew it. And music to me was almost like a, a second language. It's just, I just know what a D major sounds like just right away. I just know what a, what a 
F minor diminished sounds like. I just, it just, it's in my head. I, I get it. And I know that a lot of composers are like that. I, don't, I know this isn't something special in the music world, but out because I was never part of the composing world, it felt like some weird superpower I had that I could just sit at a piano and write something that sounds like I've spent months writing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of composers can, can relate to that. Um, but I, I think because especially now, uh, so many years later, you know, as a kid, I kind of just music was music, no matter whether you were trained or not. But I think now I really see how um, I can appreciate now that I've really allowed myself to learn um, the reason for different scales and the reason for flat and sharp and which I know sounds so basic, but let me, <laughs> because I've come from like programming music ever since I was a kid, the only thing you use when you're, when you're composing with certain software are sharps. You don't really have a concept of scales of, um, why you use certain chords in certain places because the only thing you're familiar with is the 12 notes and only the sharps, you know, you know, so, so I had to kind of understand, I had to kind of teach myself why flats exist and why certain scales are the way that they are. And it actually, because I've been composing for so long and now I'm kind of learning like the little technicalities of certain things. It's really fascinating to me because I'm, I'm learning why I've had certain instincts, like why I, I will play a G sharp instead of an A um, you know, in, in a certain scale and why it feels right and sounds right. Or, um, I used to have a problem with, oh, I, I know how it sounds like I'm ahead, but what keys are those? It's such a weird chord in my head and I can't get it to play. Now I'm much better at that because I understand, you know, I've learned so much over the years. I've really become my own teacher. And I think I can say the same thing about the fact that I'm an author, because a lot of people assume I have an English degree. They assume I have a lit degree. I don't. I have a theater degree and I have a psychology degree. And I come from acting and I come from playwriting. So storytelling, character creation, uh, dramatic structure has always been part of what I've been trained to do. And it's, for me, it translates seamlessly into writing. Mm-hmm. Um, even and like really everything about what I've experienced, even my programming background, programming, you have to be precise to the character. Otherwise you, your entire program doesn't work. So I am very specific about punctuation. I toil over whether to say V or a, in a sentence. Um, I decide between periods and commas and semicolons and dashes and, um, ellipses and just all sorts of things every all day long while I'm writing. I'm very particular and meticulous. Um, so all of it just ties together. And I think that somehow ties into music because music is very mathematical. So, and it's very structured. It's very, um, yeah. So I think in conclusion, uh, <laughs> I feel like I've talked for an hour about this one question. Um, but I think, <laughs> geez, I can't help it. I think that, um, that in conclusion, I te- I feel like I'm free in some ways because I feel like I don't I'm not uh bound to uh the things that a classically trained composer might be where they feel like there's certain rules 
that you can't break or that you can't bend or that there's, or they've been trained in a certain way that it starts to shape. And I'm taking some words from actual classically trained composers, what they've said. So I'm not just, Mm -hmm. this isn't just me assuming this. I'm also trying to remember some certain things that were told to me. Um, It's like when you're trained to do something a certain way, you compromise a little bit of your creative freedom Mm -hmm. for proper ways to do things which I think can also maybe be said in the lit world too. You know, you you learn certain rules of grammar and sometimes when it's beaten into you so much, it's harder to break the rules and it's harder to bend them. Um, so I don't know if maybe I have a little bit of an advantage of being able to just be free to do kind of unexpected things because I never was taught that you can't jump from this to that. Um, you can't, you know, you can't compose in a certain way. But on the other hand, I think if I had been classically trained um, earlier on, there I don't know. There might have been different things that I could have opened myself up to. I might be more versed in classical music. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of classical pieces, but I won't be able to tell you which movement that was, <laughs> or if it was Bach or Beethoven, or you know. And because you're not classically trained, where did you get that training? Really everywhere. Um, when I was a kid, I I trained myself just hearing music and just wanting to play it because it was never, I never had piano lessons. So I learned piano myself as well. Um, I didn't know how to, how to read sheet music until a certain elementary class where as kids, we all literally just learned how to read music to play a recorder. But I had an advantage though, because while we were all learning sheet music and I was like, oh, face, cool, that's cute how it says face on um then i was i was sat at the piano and the teacher would say it was like our test she was like okay play a d and i play a d like instantly but it's like an octave too high she's like okay one more octave down it's like okay sorry um (laughs) (laughs) i'm just totally recurring like but i didn't really have uh specific so what i'm saying is that it's like pieces here and there that happen to be music related that's really how my training has been it's been over the course of my life and then i and a lot of it's self-teaching i think that's one of the most important tools that anyone can have whether you're a composer or an an artist of any kind is self-awareness i think one of the deepest traps that you can fall into is having one great success and feeling like you've won and losing sight of your own self-criticism and stop it because it stops your growth and it stops you realizing you know there's always something i can learn i'm never the best i'm never you know the top i never i've never figured it out you know music will always be a mystery in some way as will writing you know Mm -hmm. and i think as long as you keep that self-awareness and you're able to uh, critique your own work and you know i think it's 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 true in the book world and in the theater world that sometimes when you're writing you're almost there's this i, I don't know what it's called but there's kind of like a theory of every time you write you're kind of writing the same story over and over again in a way you're you're trying to write that perfect story or you're trying to write that perfect symphony or you're trying to write that perfect song and <laughs> and i think that part of that journey is just always striving for that that ideal and sometimes you feel like you scraped it and you feel like oh i've written like something that's just so moving and it just makes me feel so much 
you know, keep doing it and try again, try something different. So that's yeah. been my method. Uh, it's worked for me personally, just as far as keeping inspired. Are there any particular composers that you particularly emulate or really admire? I think the most of composers that I have admired my whole life have been either from video games or from Broadway. Um, because, you know, what's, what's really gratifying, I think, about video game music in particular is that when I was a child, video games were just things for kids. And I think all of us in this age range who grew up with video games can definitely attest to the fact that it is so not that anymore. And even cartoons, even cartoons have become mature. There's cartoons that are for us. There's, um, you know, anime and, and uh, things that even are on Cartoon Network that, yeah, you know, your six-year-old nephews watching it laughing, but you're busting your butt too laughing at it so (laughs) you know it's it's there's and movies nowadays pixar it's like everything is kind of you know so relating it to the video game music i feel like nowadays the video game music is so it's taken so seriously and it should be because there are some times where i will be playing a soundtrack from a game in my room while i'm writing my mom's like oh wow what movie is that from and i'm like yeah I like that because they sound like <laughs> film scores. They sound, I mean, it's, it's incredible how, how far music has come. And, you know, and even like, I, I even still listen to um, Super Nintendo soundtracks and Nintendo soundtracks. I go way back 8-bit and 16-bit music and, um, and whatnot. I think my first, I guess I would have to long-windedly answer your question. I think to uh, one of my first composers that really, clicked with me was Nobuo Yamatsu who is the composer for the Final Fantasy series up until uh, Final Fantasy 10 I believe um, then he came back I think for one of the MMOs that I haven't played and I haven't 11 and 14 are the only ones I haven't played so um, him and Yasunori Mitsuda I hope I'm saying their names right um, who was the composer for the Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross series Xeno Gears um, there was um, Yoko Shimomura, who came in for Final Fantasy XV, but I originally was introduced to her through Xenoblade Chronicles. Even before that, Super Mario RPG, Parasite Eve, Kingdom Hearts. Um, I think another composer that I would have to name is uh, Michiru Yamane. I hope I'm saying her name right. She did. She's basically known for her work in the Castlevania series. She composed one of my favorite soundtracks ever, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Um, all of these people deeply influenced me. Um, probably just be, maybe on the sheer fact of I listened to their music so much. Mm-hmm. So they are in my blood. And um, and it's kind of fun, too, because, like, you know, I'm sure that other composers can also can kind of relate to, like, when you're writing and suddenly you sort of realize, oh, this has, like, a feel of this almost feels too much like someone that you know and what's kind of fun is you resist that then and you start having something else that you know counterbalances your own idols your own the people that you admire it's just kind of a fun thing to play play against um i think outside of the video game world i am a huge fan of the great stephen sondheim and other 
composers and Broadway just in general, because Broadway music can be so playful and mm-hmm. like video game music, there is such a wide, wide spectrum of genres that, especially nowadays, you know, a musical can be rap. You know, mm-hmm. thank you, Hamilton, for bringing that <laughs> up. I, one of the most gorgeous soundtracks I've ever heard is Hamilton. Um, you know, and um, Into the Woods was a huge hit me right in the right here. Uh, it Sweeney, was for me, too. Oh, gosh. And uh, Sweeney Todd, um, the demon barber of Beach Street. What else? Yeah. Anyway, Rent. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's so many, so many musicals that, that just really um, live inside of me. And heck, I was I was raised on Disney, too. And it, it took me until I was like in my 20s to realize all Disney movies that I watched were musicals. Yeah. Why, why didn't we ever click? Why didn't we understand that? That when I was watching Aladdin, it was a musical, basically. When mm-hmm. we were watching, like, they're all musicals. <laughs> so, like, where did that, uh, Lion King, how did we not re- see that? But it's kind of great, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and you have so much, so many musical influences around you. Um, let's see, film. Uh, Hans Zimmer, mm. um, who, for me, I got I actually kind of I started noticing him after watching Inception, um, and his work with Christopher Nolan on the, the Batman Dark Knight series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Elfman, um, his soundtrack for Edward Scissorhands. He he kind of. He and uh, Beetlejuice, all the weird, wacky, beautiful things that he's created with Tim Burton. And um, and then randomly now you see him in like the craziest sound. He he composed the score for Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, wow. I mean, like there's he, he is so versatile and he does all these um, proof of life. He does all these like other projects now. It's really exciting. And um, he taught me whimsy, I guess. He taught me the the the. Uh, the feeling of just being allowed to never say no to an idea that's in your head. Try it, you know, because sometimes those weird accidents. Thank you, Bob Ross. Those weird accidents are not really accidents. They're all just happy accidents. Mm -hmm. They're, they're all, they're all, they might have a point to them. Just go with it. See where, see where, see where it takes you. You know, I, um, okay. So I have a fun story. So I did, I, there's one piece of my, music journey that i didn't really touch on at all which i don't don't know why but so it's actually the story of how i left my full-time job and started Mm. writing full-time um which is music related not not book related which is kind of strange okay i basically i I was working as a senior manager at a movie theater i was at that movie theater for nine and a half years i was going on my 10th and then i got this opportunity with these two lovely ladies who had written a two-woman show and it was a very funny concept. It was a fake relationship seminar um, called Country Gravy and Other Obsessions. And basically, it's a total country show. It's down su- Southern show. It's very fun. And basically, these two lovely Southern ladies are hosting a relationship seminar because they're going to help everyone in the audience with their relationships. And the gist of it is they give really bad advice, mm. um, like really bad advice. <laughs> and they have so many random songs in the show about different relationships. Like there's a song about the relationship with your own body called Spanx. There's um, the relationship with, with food, which is a literally a love ballad to a French fry she found on the floorboard of her car. Um, there's, there's uh, different oh songs. God. 
And so long story short, they lost their pianist that was touring with them. And I by no means call myself a pianist because I do not read sheet music very fast. I literally <laughs> do the face thing. I'm like, G sharp, boom. <laughs> like I'm so, so slow with, with, with sheet music. Cause I mean, as you might surmise from what I've said, I, I don't, you know, all my music is in my head and it's on here and I know notes and I know chords, but I don't, the sheet music, I'm, I'm like, I have to kind of figure it out on the fly, um, which just gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about it. So they were looking for a pianist and the same friend who called me out in that Stuart Osher class saying, this dude composes, um, MJ, her name, uh, she was a friend of these two ladies and she was like, I have a pianist for you. And she shoved me at them and basically was like, here, audition for them. And I was like, are you kidding? And so I sat down and I had heard the music. They mm. sent me a tape and I heard the music, a tape, yes. They And I heard the music. And so I sat down at the piano and she puts a sheet music in front of me. And I'm like, so I don't really read sheet music. She's like, oh, it's okay, honey. I have the chords up above them. I'm like, okay. And I literally just look at the chords and I start just playing the song, the rhythmically from what I heard, but I was just kind of following the chords. And she started singing and then magic happened in like that instant. And she's like, give me one second, honey. Okay. I'm going to go make a phone call. I was like, okay. I don't know why I made her sound New York. <laughs> um, she's like, give me one second, honey. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to make a phone call. I was like, okay. She goes into the kitchen and while I'm still playing, I, I, I overhear her go. Yeah. That, that pianist that you sent me. Yeah. Won't be a problem. We're good. And I was like, oh. so on the spot, I was pulled into this touring musical and then they found out I was a composer. So I ended up writing a couple pieces to contribute to their musical. And it kind of became more of a three person musical because they started playing off of me as their pianist, since I'm on the stage with them. Mm. And I'm, I was also kind of their percussionist. We, some, some of the towns that we went to, we had a drummer, so mm. it was kind of cool, but sometimes we wouldn't have a drummer. So I'd also be playing like really cheap sounding, like deliberately cheap sounding like drums on the, on the keyboard. Mm -hmm. Um, so I contributed, like I had a song about, the relationship with being single called happily single, which is, it's so not a happy song. It's hilariously like <laughs> angry. Um, and I had another, that was a relationship with my piano where I was going to marry my piano. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so, and we had so much fun. And so now let's go back to the moment at which I left my job. Basically I was given an opportunity to go on tour with them which was not going to be practical. Like I couldn't ask for time off and keep my job. So I had to make the tough decision of guys, I got to pursue my dreams. I gave up my cushy job, my lovely insurance, my benefits, and I hit the road with them. And it was one of the most thrilling, fulfilling, exciting times of my life for a month. And then the tour didn't work out and we ran out of money and just no nothing was panning out. So I was left on my own. And then I kind of coincidentally about five months later, I started writing romance and then suddenly romance became my paycheck. And um, I mean, I'm kind of putting it crassly, but um, I'm, you know, succincting my story. Yeah. So, uh, so I started writing romance and um, we had one other gig where, we got to go up to New York City. And it was my very first time in New York City. It was also my very first time to experience snow because this was in January. It was all at once. And 
Also, it happened to be on my birthday. Wow. Uh, so I got to perform with them on an off-Broadway stage on my birthday while it was snowing outside in New wow. York City. It wow. was totally like a what is happening to my life. Um, and we went to like a, a musical expo thing. It was very, very cool. Um, but again, it kind of didn't quite pan out like we were hoping. And yeah. What are some current projects you might be working on? Um, right now, my my current projects, most as far as music goes, and I'm I'm not including like my own, um, mm-hmm. you know, like just for my own fun. You can certainly include that as well. <laughs> oh, screw it. Okay. Um, well, I've got one project on the works that um, is some sort of musical journey about being in a spaceship that got devastated by some kind of asteroid or something that is not really defined, but it results in you being the lone survivor on a spaceship and it's tumbling toward a black hole. Isn't that lovely? Wow. So, (laughs) so, so full of hope and and happiness, but, but basically, basically that's one project that I'm working on on my own. It's my follow up to rainfall, which is an album I just released. Um, and so as far as projects for other people, I am actually working on a handful of projects for Jordan Cobb, who I worked on with uh, for Giannis Descending. Um, two of them I can talk about. One of them is um, called Primordial Deep, which is going to be another underwater adventure, uh, similar but totally not anything like Here Be Dragons, which was my first project with her. I think it's going to be very fun and... It's going to be very um, unexpected. And another project that I'm working on uh, with her is a sequel to Giannis Descending. It's called Descendants. And yeah. Awesome. That's great. Thank you. Where can people find your music? People can find my music on Bandcamp. Uh, That's darylbanner.bandcamp.com. That's where all of my music is available. And it also has like a pay what you want kind of system. And also it has a wide variety of my music. It's not just my soundtracks and my game soundtracks, but it's also some of my 8-bit remixes of popular tunes and um, some 16-bit remixes of some artists that are some of my favorite songwriters and song artists and bands. Um. You can also find a couple of my soundtracks on several sites, including iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Namely, I have an album of original 8-bit music called 9999. And don't be alarmed by the 8-bit thing, because it's kind of half orchestrated, half 8-bit. So it's got a very mix of a computery sound, a spacey sound, and also kind of a symphonic sound. So it's very, and it's, it's, it doesn't really have a story per se, but if you, if you kind of close your eyes, you might picture yourself on like some wild magical space journey. So it's very, very fun. Um, and then the other soundtrack that you can find on Spotify, iTunes, Apple music and such is Giannis descending in its entirety. You can find it there. Awesome. I can definitely attest to the 9,999 is uh, it's very, is it is surprisingly symphonic. Thank you. I, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
Actually, that was another thing that I listened after I heard Giannis descending was was that because I was it was right on Spotify, so it was oh, like the, the next thing right after that. So sure, yeah, I was like, wow, this is this is really good. Thank you and so much. I appreciate. Yeah, that. of course, it's very cool to see that to see those two worlds blend together. So yeah, yeah, I really it's, appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. It's fun, you know. I I, I go everywhere with my music, and you know, yeah, you know what? Sometimes that's yeah. Sometimes you know whatever it's yep. it's art and if you enjoy it's doing it art. exactly <laughs> it's you know i kind of like to think that my thing that i like to do is storytell and mm-hmm. it's just in a bunch of different mediums i i tell stories with books i tell stories with plays tell stories with acting tell stories with music yeah absolutely well thank you very much for for chatting with me today i really appreciate you coming on to the show Thank you for having me. I, I am very, very honored and flattered that you invited me to participate in your Composer Chronicles. It means of a lot co- to me. Thank you. Of course. I'm happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to take the time to thank Daryl once again for joining me on the show today. Make sure you check out all the places that he mentioned that you can find his music. All those places are linked in the show notes, so go check those out. There is a membership to the Composer Chronicles through Patreon. For as little as $1.50 a month, you'll get ad-free versions of all episodes, access to the member-only podcast on Scripted, and other resources for both shows. Click on the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Trigar. By becoming a member, you are directly supporting me to create more content with greater and greater quality. If you like the show and want to rate and review it, the best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts. Next week will be another episode of Composers of Our Modern World. I will be joined by Ben Morales Frost, where he too will share his fascinating story and some insight into his music. As mentioned at the top of the episode, you're about to hear a selection of Daryl's compositions. First up is the main theme to the audio drama Yadis Descending, immediately followed by the minor version in reverse. After that will be the main theme to The Beautiful Dead, a post-apocalyptic fantasy book series. Next will be the main theme to his dystopian book series, Outlier. And closing the selection is the first track to his recently released album, Rainfall. And now, here is a selection of pieces by Daryl Banner.
Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.